Well, good morning. Hope you open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come before you this morning, uh, both a thankful and a needy people. How thankful we are in your wisdom and your purpose of mercy and grace for your people that you've provided a savior your own darling son to be sacrificed for the sin of your people that we might be made righteous in him that that we might be able to come before you and call you our father how we thank you for your your mercy and your grace that's freely given to your people because of the sacrifice of your son and Father, we're also a poor and a needy people. We stand in need of your mercy and your grace every second. Father, we need you this morning to send your spirit upon us that we might be enabled to worship. Enable us to hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and believe and worship. Have our hearts comforted, have our hearts strengthened. Be pointed once again to our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we... The blessing we pray for ourselves in our class this morning. We, we pray for our children's classes right now and Father, other places where your people gather together to worship. Bless your word, we pray, Father. Bless it for your glory. In this day that's so full of false religion and unbelief and darkness, Father, we pray that you'd show forth your glory, your redemptive glory in the person of your Son, Give us a revival in the land, we pray. And Father, for those that you brought in the time of trouble and trial, we pray for them. How thankful we are to know that you are the great physician. You're the one who can deliver and comfort the hearts of your people. And Father, we pray you would be with your people in a special way. Deliver as soon as it could be thy will. And Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right, I've titled our lesson this morning, The Gospel of Your Salvation. Just have one verse in our text this morning, verse 13. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now my question is, that I want us to consider this morning, is why does Paul call the gospel your gospel? Your gospel. You know, the scriptures tell us that the gospel is God's gospel, doesn't it? In Matthew 4, verse 13, the Lord said he went everywhere preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of his kingdom. The gospel tells us who the king is. The king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel tells us how it is that sinners become citizens of that kingdom. We become citizens of that kingdom by God's grace, don't we? By the doing and dying, by the calling and the keeping of Christ our King. It's all up to the King. The Gospel tells us our Savior is a sovereign Savior. He's the King of a kingdom. In Mark 1, verse 1, Mark calls the Gospel the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now the Gospel is good news from God, and it's all about His Son. All about who his son is, what he did, why he did it, where he is now. All the gospel's good news. And the only good news for sinners 
is their salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ by what he accomplished as the God-man, both the Son of God and the Son of Man. What he accomplished as the representative of his people, as the second Adam. What he accomplished as a substitute for his people when he died as their sacrifice. The gospel is the gospel of the Son of God. Then in Ephesians 6, verse 15, Paul calls the gospel the gospel of peace. Now the gospel tells us how it is that the Lord Jesus Christ made peace with God for his people is by the blood of his cross. The blood of Christ took away the sin that made a holy God angry. So there's peace. Now look back at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Now the gospel is the gospel of God. The gospel tells us how it is that God did something for himself so that he could save his people in mercy and truth. The gospel tells us who God is, what God's like, that he's holy and he's gracious. He's merciful and he's just. He'll never violate one attribute of his character for another attribute of his character. The gospel tells us this. How can God be both holy and gracious at the same time? How can God be just and merciful at the same time? Well, the gospel tells us the only way that's possible is through the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son. He came as the representative of his people to make his holy, make his people righteous by his obedience. See, Adam made his people unrighteous by his disobedience. Christ came to be the second Adam, to make his people righteous by his obedience. He came to make his people righteous by his sacrifice and put their sin away. The gospel is the gospel of God that verse 3 says concerns God's son. Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The gospel concerns God's Son, what he's accomplished for his people. See, the gospel tells us who God is. The gospel is not about men. The gospel is about God. It tells us who God is and how it is that God saves sinners. The gospel is all about God in the trinity of his persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And their work in redemption. The gospel is not about men. The gospel is not how God can give men something. The gospel is about God. How God can save sinners and still be God. In Galatians 1 verse 11, Paul tells us that the gospel that he preached is not after man. It's not an idea that man came up with. It's not about men. It's not about what men can do. The gospel is is God's purpose of grace for a people that he chose to save and how he accomplished that redemption through the person of his son. See, the gospel is the gospel of God. It's all about God. That's what the scriptures tell us. So why here in our text does the apostle tell us that the gospel is the gospel of your salvation? Well, it's for the very same reason when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 that he called the gospel my gospel. The gospel is your gospel if that gospel reveals Christ to your heart in truth. 
Now, in order for the gospel to be your gospel, in order for the gospel to be the gospel of your salvation, you've got to hear the gospel, the word of truth. That's what, what Paul says over here in our text in verse 13. After that, you heard the word of truth. Now, the gospel is the gospel of God. It's the truth of who God is, the truth of how God saves sinners. And the gospel that God's given us to preach is very specific, very, very specific. The gospel has one subject. It doesn't have a bunch of subjects. It has one subject. The subject is Christ our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the gospel teaches us many different things about Christ, many different aspects of who he is and many different aspects of his character. But it has one subject, the Lord Jesus Christ and how he saves his people from their sin. And all those different the teachings of the different aspects of who Christ is. Men call those things doctrines, teaching. Now when the gospel is preached, every single time the gospel, the word of truth is preached, sound doctrine is preached. You cannot preach the gospel without sound doctrine. And someone says, well, don't, don't preach doctrine to me. I, I don't want to hear doctrine. Well, then I won't preach to you then. Because <laughs> there's no gospel without preaching doctrine, sound doctrine. I just can't say how important it is to, to have sound doctrine. To, to, you can't know who Christ is if somebody's not telling you the truth. The truth of who he is. I just can't stress the importance of sound doctrine. But, if all we know is doctrine, we're not saved. Because we don't know the Savior. I can tell you from experience, you can have the doctrine down cold and not know the Savior. I can tell you that from experience. <coughs> And the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. When I quit hearing true doctrine, when I quit hearing true statements and come to know the person that all that doctrine points to. If I ever see the person, all this doctrine, all these true statements points to and, and, and reveals, then the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation because now I see the Savior. Now I trust the Savior. The gospel, God's gospel, becomes the gospel of my salvation when I have a need for Christ. The gospel of God's free and sovereign grace becomes the gospel of my salvation when I see, oh, I need to be saved by God's grace. I need to be saved by his free grace. I need him to choose me. I need him to call me. I need him to keep me. It's got to be all by his power. I need to be saved by grace without any of my works being added to it. When the gospel, when it becomes a need, when I need Christ, when I need his grace, when I need his blood, that's when the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. See, it's a matter of helplessness and a matter of need. Isn't it? I tell you, the people who are needy, they come to hear the gospel. It's a matter of need. And I want to illustrate that from some of the verses that we've looked at earlier in this chapter in our study. Verse 3 told us that all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now you see that that's a true statement. Everybody here has heard the gospel preached often enough, we studied the word often enough to know this is a true statement. All of God's blessings are in his son. 
He put every spiritual blessing that he has for a sinner in his son. They're all in one place. You know, God made it easy to find, didn't he? You go to Christ, you've got it all. The gospel tells us who Christ is. It tells us about his perfection, the, the perfection of his character, the, the perfection of his love. The, the, it tells us about his perfect obedience to the law. The gospel tells us how the father is pleased with his son. That's the only way he can accept you and me, is if he's pleased with his son. So it's easy to see that the father loves the son. It's easy to see why he put every blessing that he has in his son. The father loves the son. The son earned all those blessings by his obedience unto death and by his blood. He earned those things for his people. It's easy to see why they're all in him. Do you need mercy? Do you need grace? Do you you need to be redeemed? Do you need forgiveness of your sins? Do you need righteousness? Do you need holiness? Do you need acceptance with God? Do, Do you need God to accept you and hear you? My friend, they're all in Christ. They're all in Christ. That's good doctrine, isn't it? That's true. That's true from the word of God. You know that. Well, the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation when I see that the only way God can bless me is in Christ. The only way I can have any of these blessings that God has, the only way I for sinners, the only, the only way that I could uh, be forgiven of my sin, the only way I, that God could see me as righteous is through union with Christ. I cannot earn them. I have them through faith in Christ, by believing Him. The gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation when I see I need God to see me in Christ and not see me. There's a song that we, you, we've all heard it sung before. I'm not, I'm not saying that the words are, are bad, but... Um, you know, when you when you write a song, you, you know the, the lyrics got to rhyme and things got to fit and everything. But the song says this: that when when the father sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. First, he sees my savior, and then he sees me. Sean, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need the father to see the savior and then me. I need him to see the son. I need the father to see the savior period. I need to hide in Christ. When I see how desperately I need to be in Christ, that that's the only way God could ever accept me, then the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. Because I'm seeking the Savior. I'm seeking to be found in the Savior. See, there's a difference between knowing the doctrine and hiding in the person in there. Alright, verse 4 tells us about God's electing love. Verse 4 says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now the gospel declares God's electing love. The whole word of God declares God's election of a people. It's all through the Bible. There's absolutely no denying God's election of a people. You can't read the Bible and, and miss it. God chose Israel and none of those other nations that lived around them. God chose Isaac and cast Ishmael out. God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. On the night of that first Passover, God made a difference between the Israelites and the Egyptians, didn't he? The, the scripture is plain on this. 
God's electing love of a people. God chose a people. He chose a people to save just because he would. Not because they were any better than anybody else, but just because God would. Now, you see that truth in Scripture. That I just, it, 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 it astonishes me that people argue against the, the truth of God's electing love. You see that. And you know, I can even, I can even see, I can, I can get this concept that God has the sovereign right to choose who He will and pass by who will. I can see that because God's God. I mean, God made us, right? We didn't make ourselves. God made us. God's the one that gives us life. God's the one who sustains our life. God's the creator. He's the ruler of His universe. He's, He's the ruler of every, of every, wherever I live, you know. Well, of course God has the sovereign right to choose who he will. I mean, I see that. God can do with his own whatever he wills. I see that. That, That's good doctrine, isn't it? Now that declares who God is. You can't say who, you can't preach who God is and not preach election. Someone asked me one time, can you preach the, the gospel without preaching election? I said, no. Absolutely not. If you're going to preach the gospel and tell who God is, Tell who Christ is, who Christ came to save, how he saved. You've got to preach the doctrine of election. That's good doctrine, isn't it? The doctrine of election. You see the truth of that. Here's our problem. By nature, I can't love it and I can't believe it. I thought of this, I was studying this week. You know, I've been, I've been a Calvinist as long as I've known language. In the uh, we, we uh, went to college, me and my roommate, my buddy from school. We, we roomed together. We went to college, and, and uh, oh, once or twice a week, you know, you can just imagine all these 18, 19-year-old boys, you know, getting together in, in the big living room that we had together and showing how smart we are and in, in, in debating, debating. And uh, it was uh, just a whole litany of, of subjects. <laughs> I could argue just as passionately the doctrines of grace, as I could, who's the best shortstop playing the game baseball right now? <laughs> there was no difference. They're just facts, just facts. I've always known the truth of these things, but I couldn't believe it. I couldn't love it, and by nature you can't either. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. When I see, I need, I need God to choose me. I need God to choose me before the foundation of the world, before I ever did any good or evil. I need God to to choose me, not based on who I am or what I do. I need God to, to choose me based on His mercy, His grace, His love, and His pity for sinners. Because I could never earn it. I need God to choose me even though I do not deserve it. Even though I'm a natural born enemy of God, I need God to choose me. Just because he's pleased to do it. I need God to choose me because I will never choose God's way of salvation. I will never choose salvation on God's terms. I'll never surrender to God unless God first chose me and sent his son to die for me on purpose. Now when I see that, then the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. Because now I got a need for Christ. And I'm seeking a person, not a list of doctrines. All right, verse 5. 
Verse 5 tells us about God's predestinating grace. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. See, there it is. All this has to be according to the good pleasure of his will. I need God to sovereignly save me. That's what I need. Now, there is a great truth taught all throughout Scripture, the truth of representation. All men were made sinners by representation, by the first Adam. We're all in Adam, every one of us. We all did what Adam did because he's our representative. Now, I hear the preacher say, and Lord willing, you'll hear me say this in the message in just a little bit, how we all fell in Adam. We all, every one of us, became sinners in Adam. When Adam sinned, you and I became guilty. We became guilty in Adam because he's our representative. And all of us are just exactly like our father Abraham. Just exactly like him. We've got his nature. We've got his desires. We've got his sin. We just, we're all just exactly like him. That's how we are made sinners. But the scriptures also declare God makes his people righteous the same way they became sinners through representation, through a different representative, through Christ, the second Adam. It says that all through through the word of God plainly stated this, this truth of representation. Now, I see that. I, um, you know, I mean, I can understand the concept of that, can't you? Representation. That's good doctrine. That's what the word teaches. But I don't love it. Not by nature. I don't need it. But the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation when I see my desperate need to be made like Christ. I can't, I, I can't be like myself anymore. I can't be like Adam anymore. I cannot come into God's presence as I am. I can't. I'm just like my father Adam. And what did, what did God do with Adam after he sinned? He thrust him out of his presence. Thrust him out of his garden. Well, he's going to do that to me too. If I come in Adam's nature, if I come like me, I need to be made like Christ or I'm going to perish because that's what I deserve. That's exactly what I deserve. And when I see what I am by nature, what I deserve, my sin, you know, when I say I was made guilty in Adam, please understand, I'm not saying my sin's Adam's fault. No, my sin's my fault. This, I, I deserve to perish. I deserve condemnation. And I need, I need to be made like Christ. That's the only way God can accept me. When the Holy Spirit enables me to see that and believe that, then the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation, doesn't it? Then verse 7 tells us how Christ redeemed his people from their sin. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Everybody's here here has heard about redemption, haven't you? Everybody here has heard the, the preacher say the redemption price for sin must be paid. We've sinned. We've got a, a price on our head. We've sinned against God. The, the price has to be paid. God's justice has to be satisfied. And you say, I hear what the preacher's saying. I see what he's saying. It comes directly from God's word. God's holy. God's just. He must punish sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. God must punish sin. The price must be paid. 
And I can't pay the price. I can't pay the price that satisfies God because everything I do is sinful. Everything I do just adds to the, my, my debt from which I must be redeemed. The only way I can be redeemed is if somebody else pays the price for me. I'm spiritually bankrupt. i got nothing to pay. The only way my redemption price can be paid is if somebody else pays it for me. Everybody understands that. You understand at least the concept of that. You understand it. I know by nature we don't believe it. You know, by nature we still think if I do good enough, you know, God will accept me. But but you understand that concept. You, you, you can't say the word of God says anything else, can you? If we're going to be redeemed, somebody else got to pay the price. Well, that's, that's good doctrine. You know, Nobody's ever going to come to Christ and beg for forgiveness of their sin until somebody tells them they're a sinner. <laughs> you know, I mean, we don't know we're sinners by nature. Somebody else got to tell us that. Somebody else. That's good doctrine. Well, the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. When I'm made to see my need for Christ to redeem me, I desperately need Him. I'm helpless. I cannot pay the price that will satisfy a thrice holy God. I can't do anything that pleases God. And here's the thing about redemption. Needing Christ to redeem me. I'm so sinful and I'm so vile. I can't do anything to help myself. I'm so sinful and I am so vile. My sin is so great. My sin against God is so great. The only thing that will pay for that sin is the blood of God. That's how vile I am. I'm so sinful that just stained with sin through and through. All I am is sin. The only way I can be cleansed from my sin is in the blood of God's Son. Now that's saying something, isn't it? That's saying something about my sin, how great my sin is, and it's saying something about how precious and how powerful the blood of Christ is. When I see that, when I see that's how sinful I am, and that's how precious the Son of God is, then the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation, doesn't it? See, because now, I'm not talking about the technicalities of how the price can be paid. I'm seeking the one who pays the price. The gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. It's all about needing the person. Then verse 9 tells us how it is God makes his people to know and believe the gospel. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. Having made known unto us the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. Now you can say just like I did growing up, I've heard the gospel preached, and I understand the words the preacher is saying. I try very hard to, to every message I preach, make every word be able to be understood by the, the littlest one in here. I understand the words. I understand, at least I understand the concept of mercy and grace. I understand the, the concept of substitution. Um, Brother Henry always used to use the example of a, of a basketball game. You know, there's one player out there and one kid on the bench and, you know, the, the coach tells the player from the bench to go in. I understood that real well because I was a kid on the bench, always hoping the coach called my name to go in. I, mean, I understood that. I understood substitution. I mean, I've understood that as long as I've understood language. You understand that. 
I understand redemption, the redemption price being paid. I understand somebody going down to a pawn shop and redeeming what they left there. I understand that. I don't truly know what sin is, but I understand the concept at least of sin, that my sin is against God. I have some understanding of what justice is, what God's justice is. I understand those concepts, but I don't love hearing those words. I don't love hearing the gospel. And here's why. Because try as I might, I cannot make myself believe the gospel. I cannot make myself believe on Christ so that I hang my eternal soul on Him and Him alone. I can't make myself do it. I'm I'm dead. Just like a dead man can't understand if you read the paper to him. I can't understand the gospel. I'm dead. That's good doctrine. That's the doctrine of, of what happened to us because of Adam. Our understanding is darkened. But the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation. When I'm sitting listening to the gospel and suddenly the Holy Spirit gives life and turns the light on and gives me faith to believe Christ. So not only do I believe the gospel, not only do I believe all those things the preacher's saying is true, suddenly I find myself needing it. I need the gospel. I need to be reminded again of the good news of the gospel. I live in a, in a body of sin. I live in a world of sin. I need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel. I need to be reminded again how the Lord loved me from all of eternity. He set his love upon me and God chose me. Even though I'm no count, even though I'd never do anything to add to God, even though I couldn't do one thing to make myself redeemable, God chose me anyway. I need to hear again. This is so amazing. It's such good news. You've got to tell me over and over and over. Can this really be true? The Lord Jesus Christ willingly sacrificed himself for me on purpose. When he went to Calvary's tree, he had my name on his heart, just like the, the Aaron had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel on his, on his breastplate. Could the Lord really have suffered everything he suffered for me? Well, the gospel says he did, but I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded because it's just, it's unbelievable unless the Spirit gives you faith to believe. I need, oh, I, oh, after the Lord saves you, you see your sin more than you ever saw it before. You see yourself more vile than you ever seen yourself before. I need to be reminded that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. All sin. Oh, I need I need to be reminded of this. That Christ died for me. Because if he didn't die for me, I'm going to perish. Now the gospel has become the gospel of my salvation. And the gospel has become the gospel of my salvation. When I hear the gospel, and my heart is comforted. I'm comforted to know it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's not the strength of my faith. It's not, it's not my good works. It's not anything about me. It's all about Him. Well, that takes the pressure off and comforts my heart. I need to hear more of Him. When the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation when I need to hear more of Christ 
Because the only way I can worship God is in Him. And I need to hear more of Him. Oh, I know Him, but I want to know Him better. I trust Him. I want to trust Him more. Tell, tell me about Him again. My soul can't be fed. My heart can't be strengthened unless I'm hearing the gospel preached. So I cry, Lord, make me hear the gospel and believe it. And when that's my heart's prayer, the gospel becomes the gospel of my salvation and your salvation. And that's the gospel we need. All right, I hope that'll be a blessing to you.